0: Monk Realty Show is the podcast at the intersection of real estate, technology, and future. This podcast is produced by Monk Tech Labs, which owns and operates SaaS products like the House Monk, which is used to manage residential portfolios, and the Office Monk, which is used to manage commercial portfolios. All right, folks, uh, welcome back to another episode of the Monk Realty Show. Uh, today we have with us Eddie from Unisu, which is a prop tech procurement platform. Uh, I've been an avid user of uh, Unisu for many years now, and it's great to have him on with us today. Uh, Eddie, thank you so much for being here today.
1: Uh, it's a pleasure, AJ. Thank you very much for uh, for having me. And um, it's great. I think I must have been speaking to you guys at the house Funk from the very earliest days. So uh, obviously, uh, things are going well. And uh, congratulations for, for all of your growth. And I hope you don't mind I invited a couple of my colleagues to join the call. Yeah. Um, they may have something <laughs> useful to shout about. Uh, they won't ask for permission. I can only apologize if it's not helpful.
0: <laughs> no, the, the more the merrier. Um, who, who are your friends who joined us today?
1: Uh, this is Musto and Hamish, uh, who are so bored of video calls by now, they don't even respond to their name. Come on, you. Come in. Oh, there we go. That's Musto. <laughs> Good boy. Right, We're going to talk so about, who? Who care about Musto. Good lad.
0: <laughs> they must be hearing so much more about PropTech than the average listener here today.
1: Uh, yes, they're very... <laughs> <they're, laughs> They are the world's leading dog prop tech experts. <laughs>
0: <laughs> oh man, that's fantastic! Um, so you know, uh, as you've said, we've kind of known each other, and you know what uh, what we've been we've both been building uh, for a few years now. But for uh, the other audience of the show who might not know what Unisu does, you know, why don't you just give them a quick introduction about the company?
1: Yeah. So, um, very specifically, Unisu's uh, role in the market today is to help buyers and sellers do business together more effectively um, and we do that do that by uh, aggregating all of the buyers who are buying prop tech solutions across the world and bringing them together in one place on the unisoup platform uh, we then make those available to prop tech companies to access uh, which uh, at the very uh, simplest level helps with market intelligence and understanding about what's happening in the market and hopefully at the bottom of the sales funnel results in some business for them as well. Um, So that's what we do today. Um, And that service is kind of wrapped in our mission, which has evolved. Uh, Well, the mission has stayed the same, but the offering has evolved, which is to bring together the buyers and sellers of uh, technology and real estate, and to help them do business more effectively. So uh, our platform on a wider view offers lots of educational resources, networking resources, uh, things to help uh, grease the wheels of commerce if you like um but very much the focus is on sales leads uh unisoo today
0: that, that, that's a that's a really interesting in, introduction um would love to know like you know from your learning so far um how has the journey been from a community building perspective um because like early on when I used to use unisoo right um the early use cases were really around can I find other founders and you know other prop tech startups just so that we can kind of exchange intelligence, right? So it was kind of like a LinkedIn or a Facebook, but only for real estate and prop tech. So how how has the journey been from a community development perspective?
1: Uh, Well, thanks to the crazy early adopters like you and uh, others of your ilk, who are founders in tech companies, building the community uh, amongst prop tech was relatively straightforward. As as you know, my co-founder in the business, James Dearsley, has also been around this topic for a long, long time. So we were able to bring a lot of uh, attention and users to the platform uh, fairly easily. What's a bit more difficult is the real estate industry. The real estate industry doesn't really do community, the real estate industry does deals and they make profits. And uh, if you win, I lose, and vice versa, more often than not. Um, and so that's much more challenging. But we're now seeing, over the past few years, especially an increase in people inside real estate companies that understand that when it comes to issues like technology and prop tech as a factor of transformation and change, that things like community and uh, and collaboration and understanding are actually much more important than uh, perhaps in the day-to-day activities of a real estate company. Uh, so it's, a, it's an ongoing journey. Um, and I think it's quite common that the early adopters are always keen to throw themselves into a community and the institution, the
0: establishment, Perhaps not so much. Fair. Fair. Um, so, let, let, maybe just touching upon that topic, right? So, um, it's super interesting that uh, you mentioned that the real estate industry is just looking primarily to do deals and, you know, kind of like grow their business the way they've always been growing it. Um, and broadly, there is an opinion in the larger tech community that real estate as a vertical uh, is a laggard when it comes to adopting technology, right? Uh, is that a statement that you would agree with?
1: I mean, if you've got any evidence to prove otherwise, I'd be interested to see it. Absolutely, I agree with that statement. Um, it's, uh, as I, I alluded to, the adoption of technology is uh, an outcome, an output of uh, looking at an organisation and considering how you can deliver a better customer experience, which in turn leads to questions about change and transformation. So if you're not looking about, not thinking about your stakeholders as customers, as the real estate industry will quite happy to talk about tenants, um, then you're not necessarily incentivized to uh, undertake those change and transformation projects and therefore technology adoption will always be something like, oh, there's there's something that will save me money over there. So let's have a look at that rather than as an embedded part of uh, changing an organization.
0: Interesting. We kind of like see quite a lot of people showing enthusiasm, but then it doesn't translate all the way across the organization, right? Um, is that something that you noticed as well uh, and if yes, is there something more that people can do internally within the real estate industry to further evangelize adoption of these solutions? I think
1: like my view on this whole uh, issue,
0: um,
1: I find it really helpful to look at it from a bird's eye perspective first of all and understand, I try to understand why it's important for certain people, why it's not important for others and why that dynamic that you Uh, mentioned exists Um, and because what we do all day is look at how the procurement process and uh, teams and uh, people within these organizations are are changing and growing and the challenges they face. I think it's given us quite an interesting uh, angle on the importance of doing it right, uh, but also then why it goes wrong or why why it will is likely to go wrong. Um, and, and really, this is all a question of risk in, uh, in our view, in my view. Um, what, if, if we look at how PropTech has grown and how it has been bought so far, we have a tradition within the real estate industry and that carries through to the PropTech founders who came from the real estate industry of doing business with your little black book so it's who do you know, who do you meet after work for a beer, uh, Did what schools did you go to? It's all of those traditional ways of doing business within the real estate industry. And that's actually quite helpful within the real estate industry because that does help manage risk. Uh, you're working with trusted networks and trusted people. Uh, unfortunately, that does not work with technology. Um, the first reason it doesn't work is that if you are uh, minded to purchase a technology solution, that solution could exist anywhere in the world. I mean, we're using a piece of software here called Boomcaster. I don't know where Boomcaster is based. I don't know where their servers are, and I don't care. And you don't care because it's the best tool for the job. And that That is a dynamic that is an alien dynamic for the real estate industry, because even mm-hmm. uh, even in a single city, you can find these hyper-local businesses who get their materials locally. They use advisors locally. They only develop yep. pieces of land in a certain area, and now all of a sudden, you've got mm-hmm. this big world of opportunity, but also challenge. And when you put those two uh, two dynamics together, what you have is a real imbalance in risk. Okay, and my main mm-hmm. my main uh, thread on procurement uh, of tech in real estate is about risk. And that's risk for the real estate company, it's risk for the Uh technology company, and it's risk for the people involved uh, in the process. Mm. Um, So if you'd like, I can kind of dive into some of those risks and why this is such an important topic and uh, one which will undoubtedly become more pressing as time goes
0: on. Yeah. Uh, let's talk about that a little yeah so what are the risks that companies get into? okay cool
1: well let's start on the personal level because ultimately when you're you're trying to sell your product you're trying to sell product to an individual a decision maker or a group of decision makers um, and Mm -hmm. they have a personal interest in this process Um, Mm -hmm. an individual inside a real estate company responsible for buying technology is taking a massive risk because they are spending company money uh, on a product mm-hmm. that is quite likely new in an area of the business that probably hasn't either existed before or hasn't deployed technology. And there is
0: mm-hmm.
1: a, a possibility that that product or the deployment of the product is not going to work. And at the end mm-hmm. of the project, the technology will be deployed and the business will say, We're not getting what we expected to get from this project and I'm afraid that as a professional in a job you don't get too many opportunities to say I messed this up so there is a huge personal risk uh, for the professionals operating in inside these real estate companies Mm -hmm. Um, that then of course extends to that organizational risk because if the project doesn't work the company has spent money and has not got any return to show for that investment Uh, so Mm -hmm. Uh, a, a real estate company, especially one that is reporting to financial markets or, uh, or is a public institution, they are not going to be uh, particularly well-rewarded if they don't get it right. So the organization has a risk there as well. Um, and actually, as an industry, not just individual technology companies, PropTech also has a risk because you will not get too many opportunities inside real estate companies where projects don't work. To continue to sell into uh-huh. those companies, we need, uh-huh. as an industry, to make sure that projects actually succeed, that they're delivered on time, on budget, and on specification. Um, which uh-huh. means we need to work with those people who are taking those personal risks, and we need to help them uh, on that journey, also. So, uh, if and, and this ultimately all comes down to the question of how do you buy technology effectively? Because if you buy it buy it effectively, then At the very worst outcome, you will have an audit trail that says we did everything right, but it didn't work. Mm -hmm. Now, Mm -hmm. uh, whilst you're not going to get sacked for buying IBM, as the old adage goes, you're also not going to get sacked if you followed a good process and you've got an audit trail. Um, If you don't have an audit trail and you've got a bad result, then you've got some questions to answer. Um, So all that we do with Unisoo, as far as procurement is concerned, is about understanding and managing risk on both sides of the
0: market mm-hmm. basically interesting so but you know just to maybe put a question from the other side right especially around the point around risk um but that would be the same for any other industry as well right um any kind of uh, an industry that's buying any kind of new technology um the individual and the company is still taking a risk uh you know like trying and trusting a new company for that So why should it be, why should the process be any different?
1: You are completely correct, AJ, and this process should not be any different. The problem is that the process doesn't exist at the minute in the real estate industry. There are some fundamental challenges that real estate companies face uh, when thinking about this question. Um, One of the most common challenges that we face or that we see real estate companies face is the existence of a procurement team. And you've got a technology or transformation team who have identified use cases in the business, problem statements. They've decided what sort of solution they would like to solve those problems. And they go to the procurement team and the procurement team say, what am I supposed to do with this? And they say that because they don't understand the market. Uh, They don't understand how to access the market. And uh, they and often as a result will revert to things like saying, here's a Gartner report, buy one of these. Now that's just like the, you know, don't get sacked for I- buying IBM adage, if Gartner recommend it. The problem is that you can't just buy a technology solution from a recommendation in a report because there's no guarantees whatsoever that it's actually going to fulfill the use case that you've got in mind. So you have this tension where the change team, no, because they've done their research, you know, they're spending analyst time looking at the market, looking at startups like HouseMonk or whatever. Um, and they, they see this suite of potential suppliers, and then they have a procurement team that doesn't know how to contact those suppliers and doesn't want to really find a new way to do that because they've got their tried and tested systems. You know, you want a thousand laptops, no problem. You want a million concrete mm-hmm. blocks, no problem. You want rooftop windows that we can yeah. get it for you. No issue whatsoever. Technology, bit, bit yeah. kind of out of our uh, wheelhouse, not in our area of expertise. So you've got this mm-hmm. this team who know that their existing procurement colleagues are not going to be able to help. You've got the procurement team who Uh know the importance of good procurement, but can't actually apply that in this space. And in the middle this gap where they're Uh not really working together. What needs to happen is that someone from that change team, that's over here, needs to go and embed in the procurement team and help improve the procurement works uh, as well. Um, But like, you know, a Uh lot of these organizations are big organizations and there's internal politics and tension and, roles and responsibilities mm-hmm. and etc etc so that's not easy um but yeah you're exactly right yeah. to your point that process has happened in some, almost all other industries you know real estate is so late party yeah uh, so uh, it will yeah. happen but it isn't happening fast enough for you i'm sure and fast enough for us either now what's really interesting about mm-hmm. the market for real estate technology and the purchasers in the market is that the visible purchasing is almost all being done by sector bodies or bodies who are quasi-public social housing you know those kinds of things because not only do they have a procurement process they also in most cases have an obligation to make that process a public process which back to that question about risk hey listen we put it out to the market we made sure everyone had an opportunity to respond and this is what happened afterwards in realist that's not happening yep. amongst private companies happening amongst the larger ones albeit with that the challenge between the two yep. teams but smaller organizations are still mm-hmm. kind of almost because they don't know any better still going about buying things because of the black yep. book um and so yeah, uh, the answer to your question is absolutely, it shouldn't be any different. But in reality, there are practical challenges that prevent that from happening right now. My, my view is without yeah, a shadow enough. of a doubt, the real estate industry needs to do better. It needs to solve these problems, it needs to run clear, clean, concise, whole of market procurement processes when it's buying technology, and you, you need them to do that as well, because yeah. If they come to market without a clearly specified brief, without a plan to put it into place, uh, without appropriate Mm -hmm. sign-off and authorities and structure, they're going to end up buying the wrong thing and it's not going to work. And then, pro, you know, the prop tech industry doesn't flourish as much as hopefully it will.
0: It's it's super interesting that you mention the black book because that's something that uh, we think about quite a bit as well. we normally do expect that a lot more in let's say emerging economies where business is like super relationship driven uh, compared to let's say like more developed economies where you would expect you know like meritocracy to kind of like prevail right like for so many uh, for so many reasons but we time and again notice that real estate as an industry works fairly similar irrespective of where you are whether it's in the us or the uk or even in india um as you very rightly said it, it's very relationship driven it's very um, Uh, It's very deal-to-deal, transaction-to-transaction. So that point kind of like uh, hits home uh, pretty well, right, like with me. When you're, let's say, looking at PropTech and especially from Uniso, which is like more of like a global platform as well, like there's quite a lot of footprint in many parts of the world. Do you see any particular geography being a leader in PropTech adoption? Uh, Any geography over? Uh, That's really, really hard to say. Um,
1: I I, I don't have an answer to that question other than anecdotally, my feeling and my feeling Uh are places like Southeast Asia, Northern Europe, um, being a, a little bit more savvy and a little bit more uh, open to those things. And I, I to say as well, you know, I'm not, I, the black book isn't a bad thing and relationships don't go away. The point is that the relationships are, are kind of formalized in a sense. The relationships are managed under an umbrella of a process that everyone needs to participate in. And you, you will still put, you know, the, the, the relationship will still carry some importance in a decision-making process. But but if something doesn't work out and someone asked me why I bought AJ software and I say, well, it's because I went to the same school and we we go for dinner once a month, it's not going to... like I can say all of that. I can say I know AJ, but I can also say AJ has applied for the project, has specified all of his use cases. We've got downtime, SLAs all of those sorts of things, which is the same as everyone else has done. The fact that we go for dinner is just an extra element to that.
0: Yeah, that makes sense. It's uh, many years ago when I was uh, raising money, uh, one of the VCs, you know, kind of made this point that, hey, you know, like relationships don't scale, Um, but I told them, hey, you know, like relationships are hard to break as well, right? So on one hand, it's like tough to build these relationships, but then On the other hand, it becomes like very tough to break those relationships as well. Uh, And we shouldn't be so averse to saying, hey, you know, like, you know, relationship driven businesses are not really that great. So that that I kind of like see, uh, I kind of see merit in that point, right? So when you're thinking in an industry like this, which works kind of offline and kind of like, you know, like relationship first, even if even if it's not relationship only uh, in an industry like this, how do procurement teams best market? their requirements because there are so many prop tech companies everywhere and fundamentally like things are cloud native and you know like SaaS focused solutions so they could potentially buy from a vendor in any any country in the world how do procurement teams do a better job at Uh, well obviously
1: i'm very biased in the answer to this because uh unisoo is the go-to source for uh marketing your requirements to technology vendors um i think the first thing they need to do is they need to realize that they do need to market their requirements to vendors and not just say, you know, here's five and let's have a look at them and get yeah. demos. Uh, because how, what about the other 200 that you didn't get demos from? Risk, those 195 that you didn't even speak to are a risk for sure, to some extent. Um, the the next thing is, well, you need to really consider what sort of uh, questions you want to understand within the market. And, you, and the real estate companies need to get their heads around the fact that the technology industry moves so fast and uh, companies mature within that, that they have to be uh, able to engage with different companies in different ways. So, for example, um, a classic uh, procurement process for a technology solution will be real estate company comes up with a problem statement uh, from a business unit. They have a, an approximate idea of what outcome they want, but they don't necessarily have a specific way of getting that outcome. That's what they need to understand is how can I solve this problem? So they would come to market with an RFI, basically a request for information, quite high level. And it will simply say to more intents and purposes, how can we solve this problem? What does your solution do? Now at that stage, again, the real estate is bound to have some companies in mind. They can invite those companies to participate in that early stage, even if they have existing relationships, but they'll also invite the 195 companies that they don't know to say, this is how we would do it. And it happens all the time that in those proposals are solutions that they never even thought of or knew existed, okay? So first stage, RFI, let's understand what's possible, really is kind of how I, I often think about those. Um, and in that process, you're starting to build relationships for sure. Um, now i've got my list i've probably got some criteria and i've shortlisted you know this company's big enough it can deploy it can service in country you know whatever it's well funded whatever it might be my sort of like high level criteria now i'll come back to the market with an rfp request for a proposal and in this i've got much more detail i specified exactly really what i want i've got my time frames i've got my budgets i've got my users my stakeholders all of these things and you're going to invite the same group of companies to respond to that rfp now most of those that you've shortlisted from the rfi will respond but something else is going to happen and that a whole new group of companies are going to be interested <coughs> now this is to the point that the industry changes as technology companies get bigger they get more sophisticated they get better at dealing with uh, with their customers and they start to really refine their sales process. Many large companies will not respond to an RFI because they will think things like that company's not ready to buy something yet. They don't really know what they want. Uh, they might think that the, they're not very well organized. They might just think like, we will wait until that company has got the absolute intent, the statement of intent of an RFP before we'll respond if you don't do an rfi and or you don't do an rfp then you won't get that access to different types of companies and uh, i'm I, i'm i'm so happy when tech companies don't respond to rfis because it means that they're getting a little bit bigger um rfis often attract the attention of uh, slightly leaner earlier stage companies who may have an innovative solution but not loads and loads of track record or a big uh, big institutional um bidding team to Uh, Respond. so that's what i believe a really good process looks like and at the end of that process whatever you decide whether it works or it doesn't work as a person and as an organization you have got an excellent audit trail to firstly minimize the risk of making the a wrong decision but at least being able to say well look we followed a great process and you know what sometimes things just don't work out it wasn't my fault (laughs) basically and here's the thing, AJ, okay, here's why it's important for tech companies, because that company that has done an RFI and an RFP and then chooses you, you are going to go straight in there and you're going to know exactly what's expected. You're going to get the thing deployed as quickly as possible and you're going to have a much greater chance of success. And that's good for the technology businesses, even though it's a pain in the backside sometimes to go through a process that is much more involved than simply a black book conversation.
0: I think that's also an organizational maturity process for top tech Absolutely. companies as well um you know like quite rightly so um given the amount of competition in the market today uh, it should not be easy to sell right uh, there are so many different solutions like from so many different parts of the world people are uh, innovating really really quickly um so if you want to be taken seriously by larger buyers especially you have you to come of to a process, you're absolutely okay. So right. I'm doing the... Absolutely art art. right.
1: And this is where we see people using our... I'm going to have to sell you a subscription to this after this call. Uh, but this is where, uh, where uh, our service really comes into its own. Because the first thing that you're going to do when you have access to all of the sales leads that we provide is you're going to see how the buyers are going about the buying process. And you're going to learn from that how you are going to need to... Tool up and resource your company in order to bid successfully for those projects. That takes a while. That's not going to happen overnight. But the only way you can do it is by having the informa- access to the information. And then you're going to start. Pra- you're going to start practicing. You know, if if we were able to agree that this makes sense, at least in theory, then we will also likely agree that it will happen more and more over time as these uh, as the industry, the real estate industry, matures and gets better and understands these problems a little bit more. Especially considering, like you said earlier, everyone else does it this way, like every other industry. Even the real estate industry does it this way for concrete blocks and windows and all of that kind of stuff, right? So they're going to do it for technology solutions. And what we as tech companies need to make sure we are able to do is actually to engage with that and actually, where possible, drive that process because it provides for better outcomes. And like you said, you know, competition. It shouldn't be easy. Uh, it will take. It, it, you know, it definitely helps improve the way the tech companies go about their business and will help uh, help them help, help the ones who are better processed, better structured and get better outcomes rise to the top. Um, uh, and, you know, I have these conversations like, you know, VP sales all the time, they're starting to see that this black book, you know, they're hired for their black book and it was good at the start. But now that people are saying, mm-hmm, we can't really do it this way anymore.
0: Yeah, yeah, no, that, that makes sense. So um, just quickly going back to the funnel, right? Like of, you know, posting a requirement for an RFI, like going through the solution. Are there any funnel benchmarks that you can give on how many ideal RFI responses should you get and how many RFP responses should you get? No, I don't have any,
1: I don't think there is a, per, a perfect thing because every use case and requirement can be different. What I can tell you is that when we mm-hmm. run a project on behalf of a real estate company, which we also do in addition to searching the globe for other firms who are running them elsewhere, um, they will typically get an average of about 16 mm-hmm. responses at both stages. So, um, what okay. happens?
0: Before, uh, 15, I yes, 16 identify and yes,
1: and not necessarily, as I say, the same, not the same 16 companies, you know.
0: Yeah. yeah, yeah um, so course, yeah.
1: What, what that what that funnel does is rather than rather than sort of use your black book, uh, a little bit of research, say, right, here's five companies, let's invite them to demo. Where So you've basically hand selected a funnel of five and then you go from five to one, in theory, at least we'll take yeah. that requirement to 10,000 companies, narrow it down to 16 in the first stage, then it's not a narrowing, but 16 perhaps with different responses in the second stage. Uh, but with all you know much more specific responses and requirements um i think that Mm 16 is probably a bit too many and i think that 16 happens at that rfp stage because the requirements still aren't really specified in enough detail um and the the real estate buyers haven't necessarily always decided what will be their red lines you know this is a no or a, a yes or a no go As far as a tech supplier is concerned, I think that will improve over time. Um, And I I think in an ideal world, by the time you get to RFP, you've probably got no more than four or five really high quality bidders uh, responding with very clear proposals. And then it's a much easier uh, selection process.
0: Fair enough. And uh, are there any particular areas within ProTech buying that you're more Either on the absolutely or...
1: access control is by far the biggest uh, biggest sector. Uh, after that, you're into uh, sensors of various different types, occupancy uh, and so forth, um, and then sort of gets into quite a long tail. But what's interesting is what we see is very much skewed towards the public sector. Uh, so we don't get we don't see loads of public sector organisations being like, hey, get some tenant experience apps or things like that. We see, see them occasionally. Uh, But I I certainly perceive in the private sector that that sort of requirement is much more uh, likely. And here here we have a perfect example of uh, access control is very mature. The companies that supply the solutions can respond to RFIs and RFPs. The buyers are uh, familiar with the space, so they're running good processes. And yet in the private sector, you've got this emerging technology called tenant experience with loads of small companies who haven't really got a track record and yet the private sector saying, well, you know, we'll just try and deal direct and we won't do a, a proper process. And it's just like, you don't need to be the smartest prop tech dog in the world to know that that's a really risky way of going about
0: it. <laughs> that's interesting because um, I noticed both the door access uh, as well as sensors are primarily hardware first and, you know, like software next uh, kinds of industries. Um, maybe there's a trend there that the real estate industry is like kind of leaning or like warming up to hardware related technology first and maybe eventually we'll find a software landing. in the software. I industry. think you're
1: right. I think that there's probably a little bit of still, still not, not enough understanding of, you know, the hardware is often software agnostic and actually the software is the layer that's the most important thing to get right because that's where you're going to push your data around. You're going to get your insights, you're going to potentially find some competitive advantage. Whereas a little piece of hardware on the wall, it's just gonna do the same thing no matter what label is on it to all intents, to most intents and purposes anyway. Um, But because we're just just the way we think as humans, it's the thing on the wall that catches your attention in the eye, isn't it? (laughs)
0: That's true. It's, um, we're also like kind of like seeing quite a lot of chatter around sustainability. Um, Are you seeing procurement happening to move towards this goal? Or is it primarily just like, lip uh,
1: I don't really know the answer to that question. But you don't you don't necessarily see the organizational motivation for buying something in a in a procurement exercise. Sometimes you will. Uh, I my gut feeling tells me that there's bound to be a significant uh, element of that uh, involved. Um, but I don't have any specific data to support it. Fair
0: enough, fair enough, fair enough um Eddie I think we can keep talking like uh, all oh day you talk. can't I'm afraid uh, I've got about for, like, five uh, minutes and then <laughs> I gotta go to the
1: airport so.
0: <laughs> <laughs> I think we can kind of like wind it up uh, right here like this was like super super insightful um we speak to like so many different people on the other side uh which is either on the prop tech side or on the prop opco side uh but it was like super refreshing speaking to somebody like you who kind of like is building something in between uh so as someone who understands both sides of the equation so thank you so much for being with us here today. The insights are super, super useful. Uh, and hope to like, you know, have you again in a couple of years and you know, like see how things have progressed. Thank
1: you very much for the invitation, AJ. Um it's a pretty niche subject. Uh <laughs> but lot, I'm, like... one I'm happy to shout about. <laughs> and I don't know about if you've got dogs, but these dogs know, they instinctively know when a call is coming to an end and they get all excited that it just must be like the pitch of our voices or something. So um they're about to come over and start shouting at me. Um thank yeah. you very much and good luck with all that you're doing at the House Monk. Um, and I uh, appreciate you giving me a platform to shout it. about uh, risk and procurement and things like that today.
0: Ah, oh, you know, uh, I, I find the topic itself so so interesting. Um, whether the audience finds it useful or not, like you know, I personally found it like super insightful. And I'm definitely going to make sure that my sales team listens to this like a few times, uh, just so that they kind of absorb everything that has been. <laughs> that I feel sorry for your sales today. team, AJ. <laughs>
1: <laughs> bye, All right, bye you bye.
0: The light? if you like the show please don't forget to give us a rating or review on apple podcasts or spotify